The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. I have Chris Kaufman here with me. We will have Simon Clancy here with me, with us a little bit later on, but, uh, you know, the clock thing, because, you know, we have, we're on daylight savings time. <laughs> He thought that it was eight o'clock when it's actually seven o'clock here when he's supposed to do the podcast. Or he thought it was six when it's yeah, seven. Or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Point is, I've been adjusting to this all week too. So I'm, I sympathize. Yeah. So, point is, he's not here, but we're going to get into it right away. Huge news as we're doing this podcast, it's been official for about a couple of hours. Teddy Bridgewater, big dolphin fan. Evidently not big enough Dolphin fan to play quarterback for them. What are your immediate thoughts, Chris? And I have mine. I, I worry if the, I worry that the bidding got, actually, I was a little bit worried toward the end when we were waiting for the news, you know, everybody's on the edge of their seat. Like, uh, what's he going to do? Is he going to go to the saints? Is he going to go to the dolphins? Um, he had visited the Miami dolphins. He was supposed to already be a saint, right? I mean, that yeah. was the news. It was like, He's decided that he's going to return to the Saints, and then the Dolphins made a last-minute play, and um, and they brought him in for a visit in Miami. He's from Miami. You know, it's always been his dream to kind of play quarterback for the Dolphins. And right at the last minute, and after the the visit happened, I started to get worried. I'm like, wait a minute, they're not. I hope they're not chasing the price up, because the idea that I've talked about it before, to me, the idea is you've got these these journeyman journeyman prime age quarterbacks in Teddy Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor, who actually went off to the chargers, um, Blake Bortles, uh, who was released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I know. And, uh, and Ryan Tannehill, let's include our own Ryan Tannehill here. Um, And these are guys to be named. Yeah. These guys are journeyman quarterbacks. They've got starting experience. They were all at one point or another supposed to be franchise level dudes. 
and they want to get back there. They're, they're desperate to get back there. They're desperate to have a chance to show that this is what they are. And so what I would do with all of those guys is say, hey, okay, we've got the only starting job in the league open right now. Nobody else in the league has a starting job open for 2019. So you want that chance? You want that chance to show everybody that you deserve to be a starter? We're the only team that can give it to you. So we have an asset we can give to you. So you, in turn, should come to us and say, okay, well, then I'll do it for cheap. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to sign for – I'm not going to demand $10 million from you because I want this opportunity – to reignite my career. So I was going to take, I would say, take all of those guys and say, you know, lowest bidder wins. Uh, whoever, whoever, whoever wants the, the job the most and is willing to take the lowest contract, then that's who I take. And because the goal is, we know that 2019, this guy is not going to be our quarterback beyond 2019. We know what's coming in 2020. Even if the Dolphins do something weird with the quarterback position in the 2019 draft, 2020 belongs to that quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. And, if, and if we don't do something with the 2019 draft, then it's still the 2020 draft now. And Tua Tagovailoa or Jake from State Farm or Jordan Love or, uh, or what's his name, um, the, uh, Justin Herbert yeah. from Oregon. So, I mean, it, it's going to be one of those guys. We know that it's not going to be whoever we're signing right here. So we take the lowest bidder. And now all of a sudden, like, things get so heated with Teddy Bridgewater. He's like, I want $7 million a year. I want $10 million guaranteed, um, you know, plus all these incentives. I mean, he went to the Saints on a one-year $7.25 million deal that can be up to $12.5 million. Yeah, and but as I understand it, he can only get that $12.5 million if, like, Drew Brees misses about 12 games. Yeah, I mean, but still, I so mean. He's basically he, hoping that he has a, a season-ending and maybe career-ending injury so you can collect. But his, his, seven, his 7.25 is fully guaranteed. Absolutely. And he's got the incentives that he can get up to $12.5 million. The Dolphins weren't willing to go there, and no. I don't blame them for not being willing to go there because we know that this is, you know, this is not our 2020 and beyond quarterback. So, I, you know, that's, that's kind of how I come away with it. I actually wanted Tyrod Taylor, and I would have appreciated if Tyrod would have played ball on that sort of offer with us, especially if it was a backup-level contract, you know, like, say, $5 million a year or something like that, that he could go beyond just 2019 and actually serve as the backup in 2020 and beyond because he would be a good backup. So Teddy might be a good backup if you were willing to play ball on that. But, you know, they both of them rejected it, so now you're down to Blake Bortles. <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe Ryan Tannehill, if he, um, if he decides to, you know, massively redo his contract, which I doubt. I very much doubt that. So I think that the whole Josh McCown thing is still alive. I mean, I know he's taking some time with his family to consider his options for 2019. But, um, but I think that that has to be alive. Maybe even A.J. McCarron is alive. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly Blake Bortles is alive. I'm thinking that maybe Teddy Bridgewater got in the room. They offered him something near what New Orleans offered. And he said, no, you know, you want me to be the starter. I want a little bit closer to starter money. Maybe give me $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. And the Dolphins probably tried to pitch him on, you know, we want to pay you with this, you know, this lower wage because we're offering you this opportunity to start to be a starting quarterback. 
for the Miami Dolphins. He's going to be one of only 32 in the NFL. And he probably looked around and said, are you going to spend up to the cap to help me this year? And Mm -hmm. maybe the answer that he got in return wasn't to his liking. And then Mm -hmm. he said, you know what? I'll just go to New Orleans for the same money. For that it's first. sort of like, you know, he's always wanted to be a dolphin, but it's sort of like, you know, the girl of your dreams, the, the girl you've had a crush on your whole life. Yeah. Um, you she know, calls says, you up and she, and she says, you know what? Tonight, let's have sex, but I have HIV. <laughs> that's, what, that, that's what happens. They're toxic right now. And, of course, all day today, it's been a bunch of former players ripping Ryan Tannehill. And I think it's, it's only inevitable. We have to talk about it. If they want to win football games, okay, let's let's forget about all the. Rest. That's a big if, apparently. Apparently, it's a huge if, okay, yeah. because they're they're trying their damnedest to, you know, not win any games. Uh, or, I guess, so far, we don't know if they are, but certainly yeah. the fans are. Yeah, the fans, and, the fans are in unison. I think it's. I think absolutely it's, obsessed it, with it. Yeah, the fans are absolutely obsessed with it. I'm talking about at least eighty percent. Like if we pulled it, eighty yeah. percent want us to lose and lose big. I'm talking about sixteen games. Uh, they, they want 0-16 and guarantee Tua Tagovailoa. Mm-hmm. Now, if they want to win football games, there's an obvious answer. There, in my opinion, there's kind of two obvious answers. First of all, you know, one of them is politically charged, I guess. <laughs> okay, because you know where you're going with this. <laughs> okay, if you want to win football games, forget about Ty- Ryan Tannehill, okay, because he's the obvious answer because he's under contract. And you just say, you know what, let's just run it back one more year. That's yeah. the obvious answer. The other one is Colin Kaepernick down and can't even say, you can't even say the name. I you can't, can't even say his name say I could just feel the, the people, you know, the yeah. angry tweets coming, coming at us, but calling Colin Kaepernick seems perhaps, perhaps it's in. the Cubanness in you. Like Maybe. you won't, you can't even say it. Yeah. And because he pissed off a lot of Cuban people in Miami, right? Yes, he did. But seeing what kind of shape he's in, and if he's not in that kind of shape, well, you know, we're not playing any football games for now. You know, we're playing yeah. in August. So, it. you know, and who knows, you know, he just got a big old payday from the NFL. So maybe he'll play ball because, you know, he doesn't need the money. Mm-hmm. So I think he's an obvious answer, but they're obviously dancing around trying to win football games because mm-hmm. I don't see the sense of urgency unless they're just really – they're just trying to be really, really, really coy and quiet. And they're actually planning on bringing back Ryan Tannehill for one more year. Oh, boy, I don't know if I could deal with that. I, it'd be hard. I have to admit, it'd be hard. And well, look, even I'm going to put the shoes on your feet, Chris. All right. You got the keys to the kingdom. Okay. You are shoes, emperor shoes of the Miami Dolphins. What you say goes, Ooh. okay? Wow. Awesome. You have, uh, you have full autonomy. You could even hire and fire. If, like, if you want to fire Brian Flores in the next five minutes, you can do it. What are you doing at the quarterback position? Yeah, Chris Richard. So, okay. It, it has, does it have to be possible? Because <laughs> yeah, it has to be, has you know, to be realistic. You know that I'm absolutely 100,000% in the tank for Yeah, Kyle because if you, ask me, if you ask me, I would just say, you know what? I place a call to Seattle and I say, look, four first-round picks. Give me Russell Wilson. Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair, you know, and and listen, I'm Laramie Tunsil is one thing because I I I get asked this about what would you give to give to get a quarterback um, like that if we're talking about Russell Wilson, we're talking about uh, trading up for Kyler Murray, 
Laramie Tunsil is the guy that I would say, well, no, I'm not going to give that up because that's the guy I want to protect my new quarterback. So uh, would I give Xavier Howard uh, for a quarterback? Yes. Yes, I would. Um, so would, I. would I give would I give future first round picks uh, for a quarterback like Russell Wilson, for example, um, or doing the trade? So the, the, I believe the Rams, when they traded up from 15 to one or something like that, they, um, they traded two first round picks, two second round picks. And um, did they, I mean, they might've tacked on a third. I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, what I, the, the more popular one is the, the Redskins when they got RG three. Oh God, that was well popular, more expensive. Yeah. Um, it was popular as in blockbuster. Cause it was three yeah. firsts and, and a second, I believe. Right. Or a third. Well, it, so that was okay. So that they moved up from six to two and yeah. they paid, three firsts and a second to do that which is just absurd yes and um and and to get the the guy that was second banana to andrew luck i just didn't understand that at the time um i don't know that fair i liked rg3 a lot uh, coming out i was one i was one of the few that did not um so i don't know i i think that kyler's price because because of his height and the controversy around him I don't think it's not this. Everybody loved RG three back then. I remember this because I was one of the very few who did not. Um, everybody really loved the guy back then. It was, and people were saying genuinely saying, you know, if it weren't for Andrew Luck, who was the most unique quarterback in 30 years or whatever, uh, if it weren't for him, then RG three would be the most unique quarterback to come out in, you know, a decade or something like that. It'd be, you know, he's, he's that good. And some were even saying like at the end, they were like, they're pulling the whole Peyton Manning versus Ryan Leaf thing. Like, you know, are we sure RG three isn't better than Andrew Luck? You know, that sort of thing. I don't think Kyler Murray is that. I don't think, um, I don't think he's got that sort of backing. He's more like Cam Newton, I think, and it's still going number one overall, but not necessarily, you know, the, the overwhelming popularity of some of these other guys. So I don't think it's going to cost that, or I don't think it should cost that or would cost that. Um, it just depends on whether the Arizona Cardinals actually want them. If they actually want them, I don't think they're really open for business, but if they don't want them, then I'd start negotiating with the San Francisco 49ers. And I, I would, I mean, sure. Would I, would I give up our first round pick and our first round pick next year? And, you know, a couple second rounders, um, or some combination of those with Xavier Howard, absolutely. To get to secure Kyler Murray, I would do that. Um, okay, I don't I'm the 49ers. Yeah. Give me 13 this year. Give me your first next year. Give me two second rounders and Xavier Howard. What are you? Oh, and Xavier Howard. You had to yes. go there. Uh, ultimately, ultimately, I pay the price. Ultimately, okay. I pay the price. So you're um, high, you are high on him. Now, now let me let me ask you this. You have the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. And Kyler Murray is there, and Tua Tagovailoa is there. Ooh, who are you tough. taking? That's Who's the better prospect? Well, this is this is not entirely fair because I have seen not, and I'm saying this is not entirely fair to Tua because I've seen every single snap of Oklahoma's offense this year. I have not seen every single snap of Alabama's offense. I know that I like Tua. I know that I like him in the same neighborhood as Kyler. In order to really you know, put one over the other. I do feel like I should put as much work into Tua as I have Kyler, which I haven't had to do yet because we don't even know if Tua is going to be in next year's draft. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly not in this year's draft. So um, it would be so, the most dolphin thing ever if they went one in fifteen, got the first overall pick, and Tua Tagovailoa came back for his senior year at Alabama. 
That's what I'm saying. Listen, his family have made it clear they want him to graduate. Is he going to be a graduate next year? I, I, I don't know. I, let's check his academic records and see if he's if he's a year ahead of schedule or not. Bernie but Kohler I, did it. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe he will be a graduate. Some some guys will will do that. But his family are absolutely adamant that they want him to to graduate college before he comes to the NFL. And next year, if he's not a graduate, then, yeah, he's going to be staying for another year longer than everybody thinks. And everybody just kind of assumes it's 20. I mean, it's, it's a really bad assumption, but that's a whole other, other thing. I, I, would, I would pay the price to go up for Kyler Murray. You got a bird in hand. You got an elite level quarterback prospect because that's what I think he is right here. Just go ahead and do that. Now, let's throw that off the table because I don't think that's even possible. I don't think that's even on the table. Um, what else would I do given that Tyrod is gone, Teddy Bridgewater is gone, nobody likes Blake Bortles. Um, you know, I cannot stomach another year of Ryan Tannehill personally. Colin Kaepernick is God only knows where he is as far as being in shape and whether the NFL are still blacklisting him. And He's just on settled. a beach somewhere sipping on a – Well, yeah, right. But, I mean, they, they may have settled with him to, and – you know, in order to still blacklist him. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm, you know, let's say he's off the table there too. Then really what I'm probably doing is I'm getting Easton stick sometime later in the draft and I might even start him this year. I mean, why not? Uh, if the worst that could Sounds happen is he starts, he, the worst that can ha- could happen is he goes through growing pains in the beginning toward the beginning and the middle of the year, and then starts to get better you know, toward the end of the year. And then, you know, this is a guy with the, the character and makeup and mentality that would make a perfect backup. You know, if he's not, if he's not a starter, that's, that's yeah. fine. You know, he's, he's a good backup. Um, he's got, he comes in with the most pro ready in terms of having run pro concepts and, and being able to take stuff that he ran in college for four years, you know, 52 games. He ran this stuff in college that you run on Sunday here, especially the Miami Dolphins and carrying over that New England offense. They're running a bunch of that same stuff. So, I mean, you know, he comes right over knowing this stuff. And sure, why not? If you don't care about 2019 wins and losses, then why not just take this guy and brush him up and maybe he's your Kirk Cousins or maybe he's just a, a, you know, a long-term backup. It doesn't matter, but I kind of like that the best. Now, let me ask you a question because – you know, this, this seems to be like a, a theme that, you know, hell, it's not, it's not on, on Twitter, but I'm going to go ahead and start it. <laughs> they went out for Trey Flowers. I am told that they did that whole thing where you try to get first in line to be one of the first people to try to set up a visit with Trey Flowers. Mm-hmm. And I'm told that Trey Flowers had his offer in hand from Detroit at that moment. And when they heard what Miami had to say, they were told that they were just not competitive. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the chase ended right there, right as mm-hmm. it started. They went out and wined and dined Teddy Bridgewater. They couldn't close him. Mm-hmm. Is this the first red flag on Chris Greer as the head man? I don't think Trey Flowers is the first red flag. I think that uh, Teddy Bridgewater may be. 
because clearly they did wine and dine him. Clearly they had him into the facility and clearly he had sort of, you know, he's weighing these teams on the scales, but at the same time, they did the same exact thing with Dwayne Allen, except he had three teams. He, he did three visits. He did two before the dolphins and mm-hmm. then he did the dolphins visit. And then he left the dolphins facility and, and tried to figure out which one he was going to take. And he took the dolphins job and the dolphins have like a billion tight ends now so um so i i think that that's sort of a one in their favor whereas teddy's one not in their favor trey flowers i mean it's hard to say because at the same time there are reports that the jets came calling and he just told them no like flat out it's between the dolphins and the and the the lions and so you know maybe the dolphins offer wasn't as competitive as the lions offer but to me when you're saying that it's sort of like hey pony up some more (laughs) you know so you're still you're still in it pony up some more i mean this is the lions have a better offer if you want to if you want to get in this yeah you know change your offer yeah the dolphins came with an offer and they were summarily rejected which suggests to me that you know it was pretty far off you know who knows maybe but the offer was rejected it's it's not like it's not like they were told no we're not interested in the dolphins yeah they're like no we're not interested in your offer because we have a better offer in hand make a better one, (laughs) you know? And, and so there's, there's a difference. And the the jets on the other hand, were told, no, (laughs) they were just told, no, you're not in this. It's between the lions and the dolphins. And it had nothing to do with contract, you know? And at the same time, and also the jets, you know, the whole Anthony Barr thing is so funny. (laughs) For a, for a split second there, I was think I was about to start making jokes about how the jets, you know, are loading up on the, the most the, the least important position in in football because yeah. they were about to have a stacked linebacker in court with yeah, yeah, CJ Mosley and Anthony Barr just those two guys alone like yeah. you know it's sexy but it's also unnecessary <laughs> it's a hugely important position for Greg Williams though the way that he uses absolutely because he plays a lot of bass and yep. you got into that on Twitter the other day yeah so I completely agree but let's pivot to the guys that are no longer here. And another one, which I think could be a red flag, which is Jawan James. It was leaked yeah. earlier this offseason that they wanted to keep Jawan James. I said on one of our podcasts that I would keep Jawan James. And I actually threw a number out on one of these podcasts. And I said something like $36 million for three years. Ugh. And I said that that would be like the high end. Well, he got 52 for four. <laughs> okay so at that price i absolutely i I don't compete i don't even place another phone call yeah i throw throw a going away party for him at that price (laughs) yeah at at that price you know it's over it's like there's nothing left to do like what are you gonna do congratulations and gonna yeah you call him and congratulate him because what are you gonna do you're gonna tell him you know what i'd really like you to stay here for like 15 million dollars (laughs) thus yeah like that's not gonna happen not gonna work it's yeah, been an odyssey I, these last two years. Do you think that they, they played their hand incorrectly? And Chris no, I, was here for, for this, the duration of this Jawan James odyssey. These last I think they're following through on the priorities that they've sort of laid out. They're, they don't want to overpay for the – they know that they're rebuilding. They know that they've got a bunch of dead, caps, dead weight you know, cap space that they want to flush down the toilet this year. Um, and so they're just, they're just focusing on, 
not paying too much for these guys. And Jawan James, unfortunately, is a victim of that. I, you know, I was I was the one among us that was that was like, no, <laughs> I would not resign Jawan James at at even ten million dollars a year because I, you know, I just don't think I mean, we're going to give a whole bunch of money to Laramie Tunsil, and I don't think that we've had that kind of quality of tackle tandem going on for two years between Laramie Tunsil at whatever he's going to be 15 million a year and Jawan James at 13 million a year or 12 million a year or even 10 million a year. I just don't think it's worth it. You know, good for Denver. That's what they, they got a good player. They, there's nothing to, bad to be said about Jawan James whatsoever. I was telling Cecil Lammy of ESPN radio, he was, you know, came, came to me asking me, Hey, what's the deal on Jawan James? Uh, we just got him. And, um, and so I gave him the rundown. I was like, there's nothing bad to say about this guy. He's a great pass protector. I can't even say he's more of a pass protector or more of a run blocker because he's good at both. He's a good character. He's, um, he's basically a big teddy bear. He's a big, nice guy, uh, except on the field. Um, nothing bad to say, but I'm not paying that much money for the right tackle. So, you know, that's done. And that's not, that's not a – I don't think that's a bad thing, really, like to say – reflective on this this coaching staff or this front office it's just you know allocation the, the allocation wouldn't have necessarily been smart in my opinion yeah and on Jawan James yeah you could tell a lot from about these players when you watch them practice and he was one of those good guys like uh, I said it last year if you have a bunch of Jakeem Grants and Danny Amendola's your team should be getting better week in and week out because yep. they practice so damn hard Juwan James is one of those good guys. Him and Larry Tunsil are mm-hmm. two guys that you watch in practice, and not only do they look what they look like, what offensive linemen should should look like. I'm talking about right. smaller waist, big thighs, good build. You know, athletes, real mm-hmm. athletes, not fat guys. You know, Josh Sitton, on the other hand, fat guy. Yeah, he looked like a fat guy. He definitely okay. did. These guys are athletes. All right, he got hurt Juwan like James. a fat guy. Yeah, Jawan James, you know, a lot of those guys got a lot of crap from, from coaches during practices. Jawan James was not one of them. He, he was a model player for us, and I would have liked to see him stay here, but at that price, you know, goodbye. Now, another guy that, you know, for selfish reasons we wanted to see stick around was Cam Wake. Uh, yeah. My position on this is, th- is this. I'm not disappointed he's leaving. I'm disappointed that he's going to the Tennessee Titans. Nobody else that's like knocking on the door of a Super Bowl can use a pass rusher of the likes of Cam Wake on that contract. I'm surprised a little bit the Saints wouldn't have gone for him. The Rams. Jeff Ireland. Jeff Ireland's the one that picked him up. It's the best move Jeff Ireland ever made for the Miami Dolphins. Yes. Was picking up Cameron Wake from the CFL. Yeah, and I'm a little bit surprised. Yeah, and second only to second only really to when he when he drafted Demarcus Ware. That's it. The Marcus yeah. Square, Cam Wake, those are Jeff Ireland's, you know, big, big, you know, mm-hmm. antlers on the wall. Yep. Yeah, but absolutely. were you as disappointed as I was that he ended up there? Because, yeah, can they make the playoffs? Sure. But they're not winning anything. Not in this I, AFC. It, it's, hard, it's hard to say, really. It's, it's a matter of do you, do you believe in the quarterback. I was, I was watching a lot of the uh, film for their guard, Quentin Spann. And, um, you know, I, there's, definitely, there's definitely stuff there. There's definitely stuff in, in Tennessee, and he could help them. I mean, they, they ended up a winning season uh, this year, even though we beat them in, on the first. And, and they have Mike Vrabel, who's – Yeah, they set up, you know, a, they set up a loser, loser go home, 
match with the Indianapolis Colts, and they didn't mm-hmm. have their quarterback, and the Colts did, and yeah. ended up winning and moving on. Yeah, I mean, so so I mean, it's it's it could be it could be better. They could be one of these teams that we're just like always destined to underrate, and then um, you know, or we we were always destined to underrate them, and then they surprise us. Yeah. Uh, so you know, in that way, I, I'm not too too sad. I'm, at least it's not like. He didn't go to the Bengals or something like that, or you yeah. know, with Zach Taylor because we don't really have much confidence there. Um, at least he didn't go to one of these clearly losing bad teams. He certainly, at least, he didn't go in the division. Um, so I, th- I'll, I'll take it. You know, would I have hoped for maybe the Rams or something like that to to try and or Chiefs, or, or Chiefs? Oh God, yeah, um, to replace D Ford. Uh, that how how much of a no brainer would that have been? Um, yeah, I th- I would have hoped for that, sure, but um, but I'm not terribly disappointed. What do you think of the tight ends, though? Because we have like a billion of them now. Maybe Tannehill can play tight end. <laughs> well, Clyde Walford is a guy who I really like coming out. You know, not as far as like drafting him all that high, but he's noticeable. Big, strong, catches the ball cleanly, can run. Okay, but he busted out of Oakland after you know some flashes. I don't know where he's at in his career right now. Dwayne Allen's a little bit different. Uh, he's a guy that should play for us and play a lot of snaps. And I've always liked him. And he's always been a noticeable player. When you watch him on film, he blocks people. And he mm. does things right. And, if you know, people forget. He was a really good pass catcher once upon a time in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's a guy who can do it all. And I think he's a guy that's kind of necessary for, for what is – I believe the weakest position unit in, well, besides the offensive line, because right now there's nobody there, but yeah, tight end, I would say was one of our weakest units on our team last year. So he should bolster it. I like the pickup. It's not for a Mm -hmm. lot of money. I don't know what you think about it, but how does it fit going forward as far as like what they're thinking on offense? It's striking to me that the, the four tight ends, they now have four, that all look identical to one another. They're all of a size. They're all of a speed with one another. All of them are between like four eight and five O's, like four eight to four nine five, you know, somewhere around that in speed, which is not fast. Clive Walford is is not really fast in my opinion. Durham Smith is not fast. Um, Nick O'Leary is certainly not fast. And um, and Dwayne Allen, I remember, I sort of remember when he when he finally tested out um out of uh out of clemson it was it was surprisingly not good it was like a four nine or something like that and because he he had been an excellent tight end in college we knew that um so they all look and and play a lot like one another and they're all not fast and they're all good blockers and they can all play uh, off the shoulder of the uh the tackle and um and then they all have surprisingly good like pass catching skills they're good hands and uh and i think that they all look alike the one guy who stands out is mike kosicki he doesn't look anything like those guys no he's the, he's the one that stands out and to me because of that mostly because of that i look at it and i say you know what this is this is aimed at freeing up mike kosicki to try and be the player that they thought he might be when they took him in the second round because remember chris greer took him in the second round he's still here he's still the gm so they're they're still going to try to make good on that regardless of what anybody else thinks and I look at it a lot like because this is we have New England's coaches so what do you go back to well you know they had Aaron Hernandez 
back in 2011, 2012. And they also had Rob Gronkowski. But Aaron Hernandez, if you look at how he was used relative to how Mike Gesicki was used, and, and you do think, like, these are similar players. They, they should be used similarly off the formation, you know, moved around, mm-hmm. playing in the slot, you know, stuff like that, not being asked to pass protect a whole lot. You know, they, they should be used similarly. Well, Aaron Hernandez only played off, uh, off the formation on the, the shoulder of the tackle uh, like 13% of the time in 2011 to 2012, the two years together. And he only pass protected he only on pass plays like 4% of the time. I mean, it, was, it was ridiculous. And Mike Gesicki was literally asked to pass protect five times as often yeah. as Aaron Hernandez was. Well, that was, that was one as of, a rookie. Yeah, that as, was one of the things that drove me crazy about that coaching yeah, staff last year. Yeah, season. absolutely. And, I and sat so, there in practice. I sat there in practice and I charted it and I put it on our, our 3YPC account mm-hmm. where I, I decided I was just going to watch Gesicki and what he would do all game. And they were doing, you know, it was, you know, there were live drills. It was a scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And Gasecki lined up in line one time the entire practice. And I counted mm-hmm. up to 27 times where he was in motion and like another 11 times where he was in the slot. Mm-hmm. And like four times he was out wide. So, like, the season comes and all of a sudden they're asking him to be Mark Bavaro. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, about about half the time. He lined up about just under half the time. He lined up off the shoulder of the uh, the offensive tackle. I mean, that's that's what he did in uh, in Miami as a rookie. And this is you and your grandmother could have watched him at Penn State and, and decided how and you know written out on a napkin how he should be used. And that's not it. And Aaron Hernandez in those years that George Godsey, our not our tight end coach now, he was in New England. Those years that he were there, uh, he was used like this. He was used off the formation. He was used as a second tight end and as a roll tight end, a move tight end, you know, whatever you want to call it. And Mike Gesicki was, was a little bit, but also was not, you know, a lot. So I think that the idea here is to get four guys like Clive Walford, Nick O'Leary, and, um, and Dwayne Allen especially, and Durham Smith, who was a fourth-round rookie last year, and let's not overstate who he is. Um, Fourth-rounders round, bust out all the time, so who knows what his future is going to be. But anyway, get those four guys and have them all compete to be the Y, to be the guy that's going to be in lineup next to the, next to the tackle. Whoop, whoop. And with oh, that, we welcome Simon Clancy onto the show. What's up, ladies? Why have you got this stupid clock thing? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking clock changes. It's yes. because we have farmers, I think. Unbelievable. We do. Yeah, it's about farming. Well, fair. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> there I am, out, out of dinner, and it's like, shit. It's I like, we're calling you. I haven't got an hour and four minutes. I've got four minutes. <laughs> all good i'm here now so well, we were talking there. about the four thousand tight ends that we have on the roster now i think we're competing with baltimore aren't we for the most amount of tight ends on the, on the oh team? yeah yes. definitely so yeah we literally competed with them because they they were trying to sign Dwayne allen too exactly exactly yeah well now so. that we have you here you have to comment on the news of the day which is teddy bridgewater telling us to take a hike yeah it's fascinating isn't it i mean it's got to be a real body blow, you know, no matter how you dress it up, it's got to be a real body blow for the team. You can say clearly, I mean, I, I respect the fact they didn't want to, you know, push the financial boat out. 
Um, and it was funny, actually, uh, you may have talked about this, but you may not, uh, because about an hour and a half ago, when it looked like it was probably going to happen, we were probably going to get across the line, uh, our WhatsApp group generally has been a sort of, you know, to a tongue of Iowa, <laughs> come to come to daddy kind of thing. And then Chris, Chris put in the WhatsApp group that it looked like it potentially was going to happen from reports and we were kind of getting close financially and it might just take a little bit of push over the cliff and we were there. Uh, and so I put damn far away from, you know, that's the end of the tour dream and then put up a photo of Trevor Lawrence with the words, but this guy, <laughs> and then literally, literally about two minutes later, the news came through and Alf was like, no, he's staying. And it was back. First thing I did to a, to as winking gift back in the WhatsApp group. It's like, it's back on baby. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I mean, what's interesting. I, mean, I don't know if you guys have been checking social media since, um, the news has come out and since you've been underway, but there has been a bit of sort of Colin Kaepernick kind of talk, you know, mm. in terms of, I mean, I, I can't see the Dolphins going there, but it is interesting. I and mean, when you look at I pitched of, them I mean, in the first segment of the show. Okay, cool. I mean, you know, what at this point, what have you got to lose? What have a you lot got of games. Lose? Well, but, you know. Well, apparently, Tua. <laughs> well, I mean, but I mean, the, the best, uh, essentially now we're looking at, uh, and I assume, that this will mean us keeping Ryan Tannehill, I, I would assume. Oh, but, you, you, okay. you know, you, you, you'd think, right? First I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but otherwise, you'd, what are you? Kaepernick, AJ McCarron, Fitz, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Blake Bortles, RG3, I think, it, I think it really might be Blake Bortles. That's just my I think it, I think it might be too, actually. It's, it's, it smells that way. But it's got – I mean, because – uh, and this is obviously we're a bit discombobulated because yeah because yeah, I I don't know really really know what you said but um I'm fearful of the plan what what's the plan mm. do you know what I mean I mean, well, I mean what I, I said, like what I said in the first segment was if they want to win football games there's only two options it's either the one that's already here which is Ryan Tannehill yeah or you place a call the Colin Kaepernick and see what kind of shape he's in and if he's not in that shape well he has until August to get into that shape. And certain Man. beat writers immediately have yeah, a course. Of course they do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, those are the options. If you want entertainment, I guess Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you just want absolute, you know, bedlam, AJ McCarron or Blake Bortles, God. Yeah, I think that's bedlam. I think. <laughs> so, so, so the plan, though, is the plan must be now. I mean, it has to be, surely, that 2020 is the. Unless, they, unless they're planning something. I mean,. Are they almost forced to take a quarterback high this year, or are they are they literally a mm. eggs in the twenty twenty basket? By the very nature of Teddy Bridgewater not choosing us, are they more forced to take Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke? You know who we believe some people in the building might be bigger fans of perhaps than Haskins or vice versa. But you know. Daniel Jones, does it, you know, Oh God. Will Greer, you know, do, where do they rate Easton Stick, a guy that all three of us have talked about ad infinitum on this podcast for months, you know, where does, where does Easton register in their term of interest? But it's, it, 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 it kind of feels like, what's the plan? But, you know, you know I, and, and I will say this, it's not unprecedented though, because remember, you know, as we headed in, so, we had it into 2005, if you recall. Gus Farratt was our only quarterback, and he was a career backup. And, and we had it into 2008. You know, the, the, the guy that was supposed to be the quarterback in 2008 was Josh McCown. 
And this to that point, he had only been a backup and maybe sometimes starter and not actually played well, all that well. And, um, and Ethan actually shared a story recently that he remembers um, he remembers inter- interviewing uh, Josh McCown during that senior bowl that Dan Marino briefly spent as a VP, um, you know, evaluating people, evaluating players in the rain and hating every minute of it. Um, you know, that was supposed to be our quarterback. It was, it was the, both years. Those were rebuilding years, right? We were, we were going to be terrible. Right. And, and that was what we headed into with the court at the quarterback position was in 2008, Josh McCown was supposed to be the guy second rounder, Chad Henney. And, um, and in 2005, it was just Gus Farad, really. The quarterbacks that the Patriots have picked though, you can't really say because Jacoby Brissett is different to, you know, all the, you look at the guys that they've taken, stylistically they're all very it's not like there's a it's not like there's a format mm-hmm. or a style is there in terms of you know they're all very different in, i mean kevin so o'connell was huge and yeah and very very mobile right mo- absolutely and and then there's jimmy garoppolo who's not mobile and yeah, the arkansas obviously not by bar, <laughs> what about exactly. the arkansas kid well yeah um the big arkansas kid what was his name oh yeah yeah right yeah, the Mellon. kid we liked create yeah absolutely the wangster the wangster um yeah, I mean, there's no – it's difficult to – I just can't believe now that they're in this situation. I mean, I know we bang on about it. They can't be doing anything other than thinking about 2020. Sure, and I know that's so difficult to say. You can't you, – because so many things could happen. Right. But you're, you've, put yourself in, you've put yourself in such a basket now mm-hmm. that, you know, and they can't have, they can't not have sat down when they all sat down and sort of talked about, okay, what is the plan going to be? What's our strategy? What they can't have not thought about, look, if we don't get Teddy Bridgewater or if we don't get Tyrod Taylor or whatever, what, what's the plan? Where do we look at the draft? Is it this year? Because you, you can't force yourself. Like I said this last week, you can't be, you can't force yourself into taking somebody that you don't like just because mm-hmm. you find yourself in a scenario that is a bit more difficult than perhaps you first envisaged. Mm-hmm. I.e., if you don't particularly like Dwayne Haskins, you shouldn't be forced to take him because everybody else thinks you, you should take him. Because if you don't like him, don't take him. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I, yeah. I don't feel like you should back yourself into a corner and you think, shit, circumstance means I've got to do this. I don't really like the kid, but I've got to, he's the kind of the best option. Especially when they're, you know, we, we look like a shitty team. It looks like there's going to be a couple of years, three years of kind of more struggle. And you've got, you know, two generation defining quarterbacks potentially coming down the pipe in 20 and 21. That that's got to play. That's got to play on their mind. It has to, surely, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I think yeah. they. I think they have to look at them all. You know, all together. You know, look at basically three years of, or you know, a couple of years of quarterbacks together, right? I mean, yeah. they're, they're they've got those guys in the future that they're familiar with. I mean, Mike Tannenbaum went and saw however many games seven was and, it that we saw? Yeah, and reported and reported back to everybody. He was watching Justin Herbert. You know, he was watching. Um, they were watching Tua Tagovailoa and uh, Kyler Murray and, and everybody. Um, so Steve, they, Steve Ross is not going to sign off on not taking Tua, is he? I mean, he's oh, gonna, not taking him. Unlike yeah, uh, if they had the number one pick, it, like yeah, have. I mean, it's gonna yeah. I mean, Steve Ross or, will absolutely. or would they trade? Would no, no, he wouldn't. He would not sign I mean, off. He will take Tua. Like yeah, that's what I mean. Absolutely. He will absolutely. Yeah. The diktat will come down that if you do not take him, I will kill every yeah. one of you yeah. <laughs> no matter what the trade package is that's being offered no exactly yeah. and I, you know i respect him for that frankly um, <laughs> but, but i, mean, I think I, against... I think you have to Sorry, look at man, this year as well too though i mean what do they think of of drew lock or Dwayne haskins mm-hmm. we don't know for sure um 
what do they think of Kyler if Kyler gets beyond that first pick, you know, and oh. and starts and starts falling down just a little bit, you know, well, what, they are spending a lot of time, yeah, staring at Kyler Murray in his underwear over there at, at his pro day. So you know, maybe maybe it's like it. Maybe it's just a very opportunistic. Like if so and so gets to here, then we'll think about doing that this year. But if not, then you know the focus is on twenty twenty. You, that sort of thing, like evaluating it all together as a whole and, and doing it step by step. Um, well, one thing is for sure. We know for a fact that the owner wants a shiny new quarterback. He always does. Okay. <laughs> so the plan is obviously either one of these guys this year, and who knows if he actually presses the button and forces them to take one. Well, it's Blake Bortles. That's oh, the shiny God. new quarterback. I mean, I think, I think I can absolutely envisage a scenario in which – we go into camp with Bortles, Eastern Stick, and Falcon and Rudock. And Falcon and Rudock essentially battle out for the number two job. Stick is yeah. your kind of, you know, Stick is your developmental guy who could become something. You know, mm. you could all, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that a kid like that with the arm talent that he has, the mobility, the kind of the rich gallon with the big arm that he could flash in camp. But you kind of get the sense that you go into the season with Bortles or McCarron, whatever, uh, uh, mm-hmm. as the number one, with one of those two, the best of Folk versus Ruduk as number two, and Stick mm-hmm. as the kind of... And if Bortles falls on his ass, which he undoubtedly will, and Stick doesn't come through straight away, then you find yourself in a position... I mean, you know, Blake Bortles is not going to be the quarterback in 2020. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's... Right. That's not going to happen. Nor, nor is Easton Stick realistically. No, I mean, not realistically. There's nothing. There's nothing he could do as a rookie that's going to be nothing realistically that he could do as a rookie. Even if he were, you know, even if one day he's like, you know, oh wow, he is Rich Cannon. Um, as a rookie, it's not going to look like that. And there's nothing he could do that would peel you off the the Tua train, mm. you know, or, or the the story there. So, so I mean, but you're looking you, as like a long term backup or something like that. Or you find just, maybe. Yeah, you know, but you he he you Garoppolo him in a way. He becomes yeah. that kind of you know you end up dealing him for and also going back to Bridgewater as well. One of the other thing I suppose that I respect the Dolphins for, and it, you know, it's, I know some people will say, "Oh, I don't care," but they're clearly protecting that third round compensatory yeah. pick for, from Juwan James, which would yeah. have been erased, I suspect, if if they signed Teddy and you know, if they it, gave him the ten million uh, guarantee, yeah, that I, then boom goes the Juwan James, yeah. Pick. Mm. So you may as well just kept happen. You know. That can't happen. Exactly. Can't, exactly. Can't Otherwise, you just you know you're not winning anything. Yeah. Right. You know. Now, guys, you before we go to before we go to break, any thoughts on the guys that they did sign? Um, I, I like the I, listen. I like the I like the methodology behind it in terms of cheap one year prove it deals. You know, Allen's mm-hmm. a terrific blocker. Uh, and, you know, when he was first signed, I made the point of, all oh, this doesn't look good for Gasicki, especially with Clive Wolfer coming in. Chris made the very salient point that, actually, it's probably really good for Gasicki because it just frees him up from the shit that he's really bad at. And he becomes, you know, for, let's all move beyond this, but he becomes Aaron Hernandez in terms of the ability just to, you know, get down the field and make catches and make plays and the stuff that you did at Penn State and remove him from, from the the blocking part of things. I think Wolford's probably a camp body. I think Eric Rowe has played very well at cornerback when he's healthy at times, but I think chronic kind of groin hamstring injuries might do for him. Yeah, it's very Um, frustrating. Remains to be seen, but it does kind of feel like, you know, 
this happened in Philadelphia. It happened in New England, you know, and I can understand that, you know, you hope that he gets through it, but I suppose much like somebody like Jason Verrett, you probably aren't going to get across the finish line for, for 16 games with Eric Rowe, unfortunately. But, you know, that's, that's the, that, that it's a low risk deal. It's not, you know, it doesn't cost a great deal. And if it does work out, then great. But. He, he can start opposite Xavier Howard though. Definitely. I, definitely. Hmm. Definitely. So I, I like that one. I like that one. I I mean, even I was, <laughs> I you say let's get Devonte Parker back, and I probably you know a week ago been like, oh god, but the deal that they got him back on, especially relative to all the other deals going on out there, yeah, it's not that bad. It's really not. I mean, I respect that these wide receivers and coaches and uh, offensive coaches, Carl Doral, who I respect the hell out of, is the wide receiver coach now. I think he was a good wide receiver coach for us in 2008 to 2010. Back then, we seemed like we were very, very short on talent, but very high in, in well-coached players, like with Greg Camarillo and Devon Bess and Brian Hartline and guys like that. Um, I respect him, and I respect Chad O'Shea. And if they're looking at the tape of Devontae Parker and being like, let me try, then okay, yeah, I'm good. Okay, uh, we shall be back briefly. Uh, what? That doesn't make any sense. We should be back shortly, um, but briefly, here is a break. Hi, this is Craig Mish from Swings and Mishes here on the Five Reasons Podcast Network. Just in case you missed any of our podcasts in the past, here's what you missed. We have been um, extremely aggressive in, in trying to acquire additional uh, international dollars, not just for, you know, uh, potential free agents with two first names. It's nice that that ownership is is fully supportive and allowing us to 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 do everything in our power um, to be um, the best team in, in in this region in the Gateway to America and 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 for Miami to become a destination spot for for all Latin players uh, because you know this is such an international city. Hey, it's Seth Levitt here from the Fish Tank with my main man. O.J. McDuffie, the Juice. And Juice, we've got a special guest over the next two weeks in the tank. What's up, everybody? It's Pat Sertan, and I'm officially diving into the Fish Tank. If he was better than Peyton, yeah. he definitely wasn't better than me. Oh, there <laughs> so we go. So that's what I wanted, wanted to get to. Yeah, th- that's where we're going with it. <laughs> Did you mm-hmm. and Peyton ever play against each other in high school? Absolutely. Beat him 35-7. 35-7. Wow. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. I had three rushing and two passing on him, accounting for all five touchdowns. Out <laughs> <laughs> of hands and all of them. Yeah. Hey, Pat came so, in here saying he doesn't remember stuff, but he remembered remember all that. that. Make sure you dive into the tank to hear our entire interview with Patrick Sertan here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can catch up on what you've missed and hear new episodes every two weeks until July by searching The Fish Tank on Apple Music, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Three Arts McCarry. I'm Simon Clancy. Obviously, uh, Alfredo Artiaga is with me, as always, as is Chris Kaufman. Gentlemen, the league season started today. Was it today? Was it yesterday? Uh, God, our days yes, merge into one. The new yes, league season. Anyway, we have the tampering. I know. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to, clearly. Um, <laughs> the, the tampering, the, the two-day tampering period, which obviously started about three weeks ago. I mean, I can't say that. Um, we all know that the tampering period started way in advance, but anyway, that's fine. Um, guys, what do we make of what's happened? Because it kind of, you know, there's been so many deals, so many interesting moves, 
teams paying huge amounts of money, kind of some standout trades. Obviously, the Odell Beckham deal seems huge. Mm. What the fuck's going on with the Giants there and Dave Getterman seems like, I mean, we feel like we've got no plan. What on earth's happening in New York? Um, I mean, that's astonishing. You know, the Jets kind of, you know, going out and getting some good players for Adam Gaze's defense, Landon Collins, 350 million, um, Earl Thomas to the to the Ravens. Um, well, what kind of stand I mean, what seems to stand out for me is lots of mid-level players getting huge deals. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it makes you look at those guys that are coming up next year and the year after. The t- and certainly for us, Tunsil and Howard must be rubbing their hands together. He, I saw Jalen Ramsey tweeting about, you know, mid-tier cornerback and safeties getting, you know, monster money. So, you know, we're looking at kind of 100 million plus, you know, cornerbacks by the looks of things coming up in the next couple, yeah. of, couple of seasons. What's your overall takeaways of the, the first 48 hours of free agency? To that point, though, uh, the the huge deals, I mean, look at the number. I mean, because the compensatory thing has become the storyline in the NFL now. And because more people are catching on to it and more people are catching on to the there's a there's a sort of an esoteric formula involved in this and teams uh, teams scheme it and they, you know, they they play with it and they they try to get advantages that way. And so the fans are catching on. There's a lot of intrigue now with it. And so there are people that are keeping track of the signings and what they'll earn and stuff. You know, every year you're seeing more and more of the third round pick qualifiers um, for these compensatory formulas. And I think that that's because, like you just suggested, there are a lot more of these mid-level free agents that are getting $15 million a year. $12 $12 million a year, $11 million a year, or more. I mean, that, I look at the D Ford deal, and uh, the, they gave the San Francisco 49ers gave a second round pick and then gave him like a billion dollars or whatever it was. Um, you know, it, it's absolutely absurd. And, and so that's what I keep seeing. And, and when you, as you're seeing all this happen, with the exception of a few players that you're like, um, well, that was a really good player, um, you're like, well, I'm glad I'm not taking part in this. <laughs> And I, I've heard that from a lot of Dolphin fans, actually. They're like, oh, I really appreciate this smart, conservative approach to it. I'm like, well, you're going to appreciate it now. And then yeah. during the season, we're going to have we're going to have the next Mark Colombo at right tackle. And you're like, why didn't you spend on a right tackle? Mm-hmm. You know, but um, but still, like yeah. for now, it's kind of refreshing to not be giving somebody that's clearly not worth it. 14 million dollars a year <laughs> it feels it's interesting isn't it because what what probably feels like arguably the two best teams who've done well in free agency at the moment are teams who are general managed if that's a phrase by a very old school gm in john dorsey of the cleveland browns and they, they, mm-hmm. they've done a very good job uh, and obviously the beckham trade is is kind of the standout but also brandon bean at the uh at the buffalo bills the bills of I've also seemingly done a very good job. You bring across a Cole Beasley and a Mitch Morse and, and guys like that. That that feels like they've added some decent pieces. Frank Gore, they've added some decent pieces there. Two very different styles of general manager. Certainly, you know, one much older, one much younger. Um, but those are two teams that certainly stand out f- at the moment for kind of doing it right. The Raiders, the ghost of Al Davis lives on. I, I'm surprised at Mike Mayock, really. That doesn't feel like... The sorts of you know, and we've you know, you, you become intimately familiar with Mike Mayock's style and the sorts of players he likes, and the kind of the big spending raiders of the Mike Mayock era do not seem like what you'd expect from a Mike Mayock team. It's uh, that's the other end of the scale, isn't it? On the other hand, John Gruden, if you think back to what they did when they grabbed Keyshawn Johnson of, at the Buccaneers, you know that kind of that kind of fits, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Fits one hundred percent. 
but it just seems, you know, I mean, th- th- there's a power struggle there, really, isn't there? And already you can kind of sense that it's, you know, they're knocking heads. And I mean, for the, if you're a Raiders fan, you kind of wonder where has the money come from to pay Antonio Brown that wasn't there to, to pay for Kelly or Mack? You know, I mm-hmm. like Brown. I think he's, the, you know, I think he's a Hall of Fame receiver, probably one of the top mm-hmm. 10 or 12 best receivers of all time. But, it, it, you know, he is, and he's still performing at a ridiculously high level, but he is 30 years old and you're going to make him the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. Where was that money to pay? You know, and you look at the impact that Mac had for Chicago. He is a, still an ascending player. Just feels like a slightly odd one. You come out and pay all that money for Trent Brown. And, you know, I think I like the Williams deal and whatever, but, you know, big money for LaMarcus Joyner. Um, it does feel like a slightly, you know, haphazard. I suppose Derek Carr's the other name, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Derek Carr's the other name that's potentially, you know, he gets talked about a little bit with the Dolphins and, you know. It's so and clean. Antonio Brown showed up at his house and, like, put up on Instagram him having dinner with Derek Carr and they're hitting okay. it off. Supposedly, they're, like, really, really good friends. Okay. Interesting. Well, you know. well, we'll see if it lasts. We'll right? see. Yeah, absolutely. So Although it's, I think it's really interesting that while he was in Pittsburgh and he was causing all this mess, he had a, a blonde mustache. He had the weird haircut. He was wearing all these weird outfits. And as soon as he showed up in, in Oakland, he was a nice, clean-shaven, beautiful suit. <laughs> and saying not, all the right things. He's a bright guy as well. He's not, a, yes. you know, he's not an idiot. Uh, you know, uh, Absolutely. Whatever you, can, whatever you say about the way he orchestrated his way out of Pittsburgh, it's a business. He's not an idiot. Yes. by any stretch of the imagination. He, he actually also, played perfectly, I thought. Yeah, well, he, absolutely. He got the result he wanted, 100%. One team I did want to touch upon very briefly is a team that was literally um, an overtime possession away from the Super Bowl. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, the incredible offense potentially still needs a couple of weapons. You know, you've obviously got Kelsey, but, you know, you lose Kareem Hunt. Potentially, you're running back, although Damian Williams played very well. Kelsey, their hill. Uh, Sammy Watkins is still there. Defensively, obviously, they they came up short. And Chris Jones performed admirably, and D Ford played well, and Justin Houston did pretty well when he came back. But they lost Stephen Nelson. They lost mm. Justin Houston. They cut Justin Houston. They cut Eric Berry. They traded D Ford, and they traded D Ford not for a 2019 second round draft pick, for but for a 2020 second round draft pick. It's interesting that the team that was so close to getting to the Super Bowl, and you think probably the most likely to challenge the New England Patriots all of a sudden feels like it's got worse in the space of 72 hours in free agency. Now, it is only, what, March the 15th, but <laughs> it does feel yeah. like the team that was closest to the Patriots has all of a sudden opened up a gap in the wrong direction away from New England. Would you agree? Yeah, Kansas City, I would have thought, would have gone after Cam Wake. I do like Tyron Matthew. And if there was going to be a team that was going to spend big on you know a signature player for the defensive side of the ball, I, I would have said Kansas City would have been it. But the one move that I think is not getting enough attention, at least not in this podcast, but is definitely getting a lot of attention nationwide, and it's getting a lot of attention as being a great move, is Le'Veon Bell. Now, let me ask you this, Simon. Would you rather have Le'Veon Bell at that money, or would you rather have Tevin Coleman and Mark Ingram for what they're paying Le'Veon Bell next season? I mean, that's a different question, isn't it? I mean... I mean, I think I probably want Bell because you'd want the factor back. But uh, the concern would be that, you know, he's been out of the game. I mean, who is advising this guy? He's been out Uh of the game for a year. The £14 million he's never going to get back. And he settled for a deal that was less than the deal that the Pittsburgh Steelers offered him, you know, 13 months ago. I mean, who advises this guy? 
You know, he did, what, it was back to back to back 1200 yard seasons with back to back to back 65, 70, and 75 yard catch seasons. I mean, the guy's an absolute monster. But I mean, it just seems ridiculous to me. But, uh, you know, look, he's going to be in a, a team that's going to, you know, he's going to get the ball a lot. You know, and I know that they've added, you know, some talent on the outside with Jameson Crowder to go with Robbie Anderson. You still feel like there are a couple of receivers short there, although Quincy Anunmore, if he can stay healthy, is also a really good player. It kind of feels like they're a number one away. But, you know, so he's going to get the ball a lot and he's going to catch the ball a lot. But I, I would rather have, I'd rather have Bell, I think. You, Chris? Personally, I, I don't know when it's ever been that smart of an idea to give a, a huge, huge contract to 27, 28-year-old running back um, who's got some, you know, he's already been off of his, he's, how many years he's been in the league, got some tread on the tires. Um, and also he just sat out a year and rumors are he's fat. And um, I just don't, I, I don't know that, especially a guy coming from a different offense, a different offensive line, a different system, different teammates and stuff like that coming to your structure. And you just don't know if he's going to play as well for you as he did for the Pittsburgh. So he has a very, he has a very idiosyncratic running style, uh, Lavian Bell does. Like, he does it a certain way. And I don't know, you, I would want to make sure that it works for my offense before I give him $14 million a year or something like that. I Personally, when they gave him that sort of contract, and normally I'm supposed to, like, you know, hate when the Jets get better, but I, I just thought, especially the fact that they did it seemingly out of desperation because of what Anthony Barr did to them. I, I kind of celebrate. I was like, you know, that's good. That's going to be a waste of resources. I think, I think that, um, you know, Jay Ajayi a couple of years back was Lavian Bell. And then all of a sudden he has dropped off the map. And I think that's the way it goes with running backs a lot of the time. And so it wouldn't be, it wouldn't shock me at all to see that happen with Lavian Bell with a new team after a year layoff, gotten all fat. And, you know, I, I don't know. It just, just doesn't strike me as a great idea. Do you have a favorite free agent move? Hmm, that's a good question. I think I know I'm full of them. Yeah, <laughs> I think the Ravens. I, I go back to the Ravens. I know that they didn't, you know, they didn't pay, you know, bargain basement dollars. But Earl Thomas and Mark Ingram, that's a nice one-two punch for that team that's right there on the cusp of the playoffs. Uh, and lost a lot of players playoffs. though. I mean, you look at C.J. Mosey, Darius mm-hmm. Smith, Eric Weddle. Joe Flacco, Michael that Crabtree. Is, that is I mean, they lost a lot of players. A lot yeah. of players. That is a problem. Uh, Terrell Suggs is gone. Suggs has gone to Arizona, hasn't he? That's, uh, you know, that's the heart of their defense has just been ripped out. I think, secondary-wise, the big, they've got, you know, talent in the secondary. If you look at Jefferson, Marlon Humphrey is a really good corner. You know, Jimmy Smith, if he stays healthy. Earl Thomas. There's, there's definitely players back there. But, I mean, that's the heart of that defense has been ripped away. There were sort of like a, there were sort of like a musical chairs kind of thing going on with Philadelphia and New England um, with respect to and and Jacksonville. If you look at Michael Bennett going from Philadelphia to New England, I think that's a perfect little um, replacement for Trey Flowers and what Trey Flowers does, a specific like the roles that he plays inside outside and what he's able to do. I mean, Trey Flowers basically is Michael Bennett, except he's young, and Michael Bennett is kind of old. So, But I still, for one year anyway, Michael Bennett, I I think that's like a perfect replacement 
for Trey Flowers for the New England Patriots. On the other hand, you know, you turn around in Philadelphia, they're like, oh, we've got to replace Michael Bennett. And so what did they do is they did it with Malik Jackson with a three-year, $30 million contract. And I think that's a good, uh, a good idea as well because he does some of the same things that Michael Bennett does. Yeah, and, don't forget uh, that they didn't allow Brandon Graham to, to reach free agency either. True, true. And, and so I think, I think those two, you look at those two, you know, moves together – and they were they were pretty good. I, I liked it a lot. And then you know, of course, the Patriots just got one of my guys, and Mike Pinnell, um, the nose tackle. Uh, and so you know, that would have been that would have been a good move for and Miami. And you're meeting with my guy, Alan Bailey. Yeah, they're, they're going for him as well. And of course, you know, he's a good backup. Tyrod Taylor is a good backup. Two years and eleven million dollars is not too much money for the Chargers. Um, you never know. Phil Rivers is pretty old and. You might need a Tyrod Taylor to come in for a couple of games, and that's what he can do. He can come in for a couple of games and win you a couple of games. I think that's a pretty solid move. Yeah, Eric Weddle, of course, going off to the Rams for two years, $10.5 million. I, I think that's, that's pretty good. I think that you're going to look at that and say that's pretty good. Now, guys, I think that we're burying the lead here. There's one team that moved up from 30-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl to 7-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl just on the strength of this offseason. I don't think I've ever, <laughs> I have never said this in my life, but the sexiest team in NFL right now is the Cleveland Browns. Definitely. Yeah. Simon, I think they're 110. They're in the playoffs. Do you think they do better than that? Oh, I mean, that, that division's a car crash. Mm-hmm. The car crash. I mean, I think they're 11-5, 12-4. I mean, I think, you know, opening night of the season – feels like Cleveland at New England at Foxborough. You know, with Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham on the outside with Njoku and the Antonio Callaway and, and Baker and Nick Chubb and potentially Kareem Hunt and, you know, decent offensive line. That defense, you know, that defense is no fool. You know, you've got mm. Garrett and Ogba. Olivier and, Vernon now. Olivier Vernon and Larry Ogunjobi and, you know, those linebackers and, Denzel Ward and you know they're oh, they're not so messing good. around, oh, isn't he? You know no, they're not and, messing around. And supposedly they're still hunting. They're still hunting yeah. for, for secondary help right now. And there's talent out there. There's mm-hmm. talent out there still. You know. And they're, well, they're I admire I admire what he's willing to do. John speaking of John Dorsey, uh, what he's willing to do from year to year in terms of just like, you know, he's freewheeling here. He's not he's not just like stacking together. He's also ditching players, right? I mean, he's he's not afraid. He's like, hey. Yeah, I'll trade this guy away, or yeah, I'll trade. I'll do. I'll do this. That's that's fine. Like he's not. I, I always admire GMs when they're willing to cut cut bait on on players because I think the mistakes are made so often when they're like not willing to cut bait on players. They're like, oh no, we want we want to just keep this keep this going uh, for a little bit longer. And I admire what he's doing. He's like, you know, this is hey, we're changing our coaches. We're changing to a Steve Wilkes defense. It's different from a Greg Williams defense. So we're gonna make all these changes here. Um, and now we're on offense. We're just gonna get we're gonna get two guys like Jarvis Landry and uh, Odell Beckham together with Baker Mayfield, which is just you know combustion city. Um, so I, yeah, fuck it. Let, just throw it throw it all against the wall. Why not? Uh, let, let me ask you, Simon, since you've interviewed you've interviewed him before. Do you think that Baker Mayfield can handle Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham in that locker room, especially since both of them are like you know really good friends? Yeah, I think so. And I, I, what I, I think is interesting and what I, I think is a bit unfortunate is that, look, I know that 
I know from you know speaking to people not in the Giants organization because I don't know anybody in the Giants organization, but I know you know journalists and bloggers and people that you know know that sort of stuff in the same way that we do around the Dolphins. And you know Odell Beckham was an absolute was absolutely loved by his teammates. You look at the tweets mm-hmm. from people like Jeff Schwartz who played with him at the mm-hmm. Giants, other players talking about what a great guy he is, what a great leader he was. You know, and some of the you know, the peripheral stuff that you saw on the field and the meltdowns and those kind of things. That's the sort of thing that you get from a competitor. Yeah, it's a bit immature sometimes. But, you know, he's a superhuman football talent. And, you know, and I'm, not, I'm not condoning any of that behavior. But I, I don't... Somebody tweeted yesterday, this a, a, a Giants fan who tweeted a load of photographs saying that every single game when, when Odell got to the car park in Giants Stadium, he would come and sign every single autograph, take every single selfie, turn up an hour before they were supposed to, to arrive for every single home game, every single one he ever played the Giants, he would sign every autograph, take every photograph, take every selfie, do everything. And this guy, there was a series of tweets with lots of photos and lots of different things of you know, Odell on different occasions turning up and you know him saying, thanks very much, Dean. Nobody, this is the side of you that nobody ever saw. We really appreciate it. And I just thought there were so many players that came out and said, you know what? He was a great guy. He was great in our locker room. Everybody loved him. You know, okay, he didn't get on with Eli Manning. People don't get on with people that they work with all the time. It must be hard to try and get on with all 53 people that you work with. So, you know, I think Baker won't have it. This team's going to win. Mm. That, that's the bottom line. This team is going to win. They are not that far away from making a deep foray into the playoffs. And they're coming at a time where the New England Patriots are, yes, they're still Super Bowl champions, but... The day will come, and I know we talked about it last year, the day, but the day will come soon where they fall down the cliff the other side and Gronkowski retires and Tom retires and uh, mm-hmm. Belichick retires. And, you know, they are not going to be good ad infinitum. They're not. That, you just can't be that. We talked about the Chiefs. Defensively, they, you know, they've dropped off a bit. Mm. The Cleveland Browns and the Indianapolis Colts strike me as potentially the two, the next two dynasties in terms of you know, where yeah, they're headed. Arrow pointing out. Colts, but I, I certainly the Browns and, and I still think the Chiefs are there. I mean, yeah, well, the Chiefs have, uh, you know, the Chiefs have that guy, a quarterback. Yeah. yeah but you know, yeah, he can't play Dan defense. <laughs> yeah. But look what happened to Dan Marino. It's exactly the same situation. No, I, I agree. But you, he was still always there, you know, oh, of course, but yeah. you know, that defense, you lose Steven Nelson, you lose Eric Berry, you lose mm. the, your two defensive ends. You know, they, they, you kind of wonder: Can you fill all those holes this off season? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But well, it's yeah, not I over yet, certainly, and and definitely. we'll see. But um, and and one of the things to keep to keep in mind about losing Stephen Nelson is they are switching defensive systems. It's totally new defensive system here, and some some corners just aren't going to fit one as opposed to the other. We know that here in Miami because we're going to a completely man-oriented, you know, defense where you know where it was kind of man-ish before and we've run other stuff in the past and um and so we've seen we've seen transitions and so it's hard to know what's going to happen with that defense until you start start to see it unfold let's take you to church boys thank you very much indeed for listening as always we really appreciate it thanks to our sponsors thanks to everybody that sends us tweets texts all that sort of stuff we genuinely uh care about it try to reply to all of it the first 72 hours of free agency are in the can the dolphins don't have a quarterback um well, they do. He's just wearing number 13 in Tuscaloosa. Boom! <laughs> or 16 in Clemson. One of the two. Anyway, 
We should be back next week. We probably will have signed Blake Bortles by that point. So um, Lord alone knows what we'll be talking about. Bortles Bowl is what we'll be talking about. Thanks for listening. I'm Simon. He's Chris. He's also Alf. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.